Welcome to the Consumer Finance Podcast. I'm Chris Willis, the co-leader of Trotman Pepper's Consumer Financial Services Regulatory Practice. And I'm really glad you've joined us today because we're going to be talking about the current leadership of the Federal Trade Commission after the recent departure of Commissioner Wilson. But before we get into that topic, let me remind you to visit and subscribe to our blogs. We have two important blogs, TroutmanPepperFinancialServices.com, which gives you comprehensive coverage of everything affecting the financial services industry, and of course, our old standby, the Consumer Financial Services LawMonitor.com blog, where we cover everything related to consumer finance. And don't forget about our other podcasts. We have a bumper crop of them. We have the FCRA Focus, all about credit reporting, the Crypto Exchange, which is about everything crypto. We have Unauthorized Access, which is our privacy and data security podcast, and our brand new podcast all about payments called Payments Pros. All those are available on all of the popular podcast platforms, and I really encourage you to check them out. And speaking of podcast platforms, if you like this podcast, let us know. Leave us a review on your platform of choice and let us know how we're doing. So today, as I said, we're going to be talking about the current leadership of the Federal Trade Commission, which is a really important topic because the commission has become incredibly active under the current administration. And joining me to talk about that is one of my partners, Kim Fan from our Washington, D.C. office, who herself used to work at the Federal Trade Commission and is an expert on everything related to the commission. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Chris. We've had Commissioner Wilson depart recently, but to set up this issue for our listeners, can you just start by telling us a little bit about the Federal Trade Commission's leadership structure so that it will be properly prepared to understand the significance of what's going on? The FTC is headed by five commissioners, one of which serves as the FTC's chair. Each of those commissioners is nominated by the president, confirmed by the Senate, and they serve a staggered seven-year term. So they should be continuously coming on and rolling off. That's the intent of how the commission was set up. And no more than three of those five commissioners at any one time should be of the same political party. So from amongst the five commissioners, the president then chooses one of the commissioners to act as the chair. Okay, got it. Speaking of the FTC chair, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, who's the current chair of the FTC? Lena Khan is the current chair. She was sworn in on June 15, 2021. She's a Biden nominee. Yeah, and she is, I think, responsible for taking the sort of volume level up on the FTC's communications fairly significantly, at least from my standpoint. So we have the FTC chair, Lena Khan, and who are the other commissioners who are now on the FTC? So as I noted, there's supposed to be five commissioners, but right now we only have three commissioners at the FTC. Lena Khan, of course, as the chair, and two other Democrats, Rebecca Kelly Slaughter, who was sworn in on May 2nd of 2018, and Alvaro Bedoya, who was sworn in much more recently, last year, May 16th, 2022. There are currently no Republican commissioners. Noah Phillips had previously resigned in October of 2022 after only serving four years. And as you noted at the top of the podcast, Christine Wilson very recently stepped down in March of 2023 after serving five years. Okay, so we've got three Democrats and zero Republicans. The FTC has been around for a long time, a little over 100 years. Has it been common over the FTC's history to have no commissioners from the non-president's party? It's actually quite uncommon. It's perhaps an indicator of a significant shift that's occurring right now within the FTC itself. I mean, the FTC over its history has often prided itself on being very bipartisan, often obtaining unanimous votes from its commissioners, five zero votes to move forward with enforcement actions against bad actors, policy statements of clear 
benefit to both commerce and consumer protection. And so the resignation of both Phillips and Wilson is significant. Now, Phillips, when he resigned, he was very quiet about his resignation. He gave the generic, you know, my main reason for leaving is for personal family reasons, though he did give a few little hints of this in his resignation letter. He spoke about how the FTC needs to respect the limits of its authority and that there needs to be an appropriate trade-off between promoting commerce and consumer protection, though there were a number of press statements and news stories around his resignation about how he seemed dissatisfied about the lack of open discussion and compromise within the FTC. But when Wilson resigned, it was much splashier. Now, she's been a long-term staffer at the FTC. She started out her career at the Bureau of Competition. She was chief of staff to a former FTC chair, Tim Muris. But when she resigned, she actually published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. And her statement was, it is impossible for me to continue serving. And she put the blame for most of this at Chairwoman Khan's feet, essentially arguing that she has, since taking over the FTC, disregarded the rule of law, disregarded due process, abused her government power, and consolidated power in the chairman's office. And Wilson even pointed to the fact that there's an annual federal employee survey conducted every year. And in 2020, before Khan took over in 21, there was 87% satisfaction amongst FTC staff that the commission was living up to its high standard of honesty and integrity. And in 2022, that same survey, a year into Khan's leadership, had dropped to only 49%. That's a big shift. Wow. And I feel like this isn't the first news I've heard about the environment within the Federal Trade Commission commenting on Chairwoman Khan's tenure there? Because I felt like we heard some of that earlier in the administration. Am I remembering that right? You are. There have been other press reports about low morale at the FTC. There was actually a study done of all the recent departures. 71 senior staff left the FTC between 21 and 22, and 99 senior-level career attorneys, that's line staff, enforcement attorney, GS-15 and above, left the agency during that same two-year period. That's a huge loss in historical knowledge and internal expertise. And some of those stories related to that have described Khan as Machiavellian. That's the word used in the press reports. She's barred staff from attending external events. She apparently overrides staff recommendations on a regular basis, specifically with regard to legal strategies and enforcement actions, which eventually end up getting knocked down by various courts. And she's ignored legal precedent, essentially issuing directives without any input from other commissioners. And for her buddy, Rohit Chopra, after leaving the FTC to go head the CFBB, allowed him to continue to cast zombie votes, where essentially, as a former commissioner, he was allowed to continue voting on cases. Well, and honestly, like a lot of what you're saying more generally about the morale situation at the FTC sounds quite familiar with our understanding of the way things are within the CFPB today. It's interesting that Lena Khan and Rohit Chopra are kindred spirits, and they both seem to be promoting a similar reaction among the staff of the agencies that they head up. But now that we've got a 3-0 FTC, what does this mean for the sort of immediate future for industry players who are subject to the FTC's jurisdiction and interest, let's say? Well, real quick, just on Khan and Chopra, I did want to note that they are known to be friends and friendly with each other. And we're seeing a new level of coordination 
between the FTC and the CFPB. For sure. Traditionally, the FTC and the CFPB have not necessarily been the best players with each other. A hundred percent. And I've seen it too. Essentially, when the CFPB was created, they took away a huge amount of the FTC's jurisdiction and a large number of their staff. That's right. But now the two are much more coordinated in their enforcement actions. So I think we're going to continue seeing that on a going forward basis. But the reality is now Khan is essentially able to move forward with her agenda with no opposition votes or voices at the FTC, right? Because the Republican commissioners are no longer there to either issue dissenting opinions or to otherwise have any input on any of the choices she makes going forward. So I think we're already going to start seeing even more mm-hmm. aggressive positions being taken by the FTC. For example, and this is in my world, the world of privacy, the FTC for years, commissioners, chairs, whenever they've gone up to Congress to make testimony, they've always asked, hey, look, under Section 5, our Unfair and Deceptive Acts and Practices Authority, under which we brought numerous privacy and security enforcement cases, they'd like general rulemaking authority so they can establish clear rules of the road for industry and what the expectations are by the FTC with regard to privacy safeguards and other consumer protection for data. Now, Lena Khan, in stepping in at the FTC, has said, look, we're never going to get Section 5 rulemaking authority. We're going to work around that. And she actually found a very innovative approach to take the FTC forward in that area. So instead of pursuing Section 5 rulemaking, she's decided to move the agency toward pursuing a trade regulation rule for privacy. That's Section 18. Now, Section 18 has traditionally been very narrowly interpreted to specific trades like the contact lens rule, the online purchases of coffins rule, right? Very narrowly drawn. And the way the FTC is moving forward under Khan's leadership in this area is to argue that privacy should be treated as commercial surveillance and sales of data. That's how they're hooking into the Section 18 trade regulation rulemaking authority. I find it very innovative and imaginative and a very unique interpretation of the FTC authority, but also, again, a very aggressive interpretation of established law and precedent that is completely new. Yeah, we seem to be seeing a lot of that from another federal agency that we were talking about a minute ago as well, a lot of unique and aggressive interpretations. But going back to your earlier comment, Kim, that it's a rarity to have a completely one-party run FTC, isn't the president supposed to nominate some Republican commissioners now? Isn't that what's supposed to happen? Is there any indication that that's going to happen? None, actually. There haven't even been names starting to be floated out there as far as who might be on the short list, when a nomination might be coming. And keep in mind, it'll be a lengthy process no matter what. Even after the nomination, it still has to be confirmed by the Senate, right? So whether or not we get one or two Republican commissioners in the near future, it's unlikely, which is going to be a challenge. We've talked about how you know, they've been innovating in their rulemaking under Khan's authority. And the commissioners, the Republican commissioners before they left, were pretty vocal about some of the changes being made in rulemaking, like the GLBA safeguards rule that was updated for the first time in 20 years. Both of the Republican commissioners dissented from that rulemaking process, but they were still able to push it forward with a 3-2 vote. And I think we're going to be seeing similar things in enforcement actions, notably One of the things Khan has been doing is changing internal FTC policy without, again, input from the other commissioners. For example, she issued a policy statement saying that they were going to change the legal standard for when the FTC decides to pursue litigation from an evidentiary standard of consumer harm 
to merely any demonstration of a negative impact to consumers. That's a huge broadening of when the FTC can move forward with litigation. Yeah. And again, that's frighteningly parallel to the CFPB's policy statement on abusiveness, which specifically went away from any idea of there has to be significant consumer harm. And it's like, well, if any consumers are harmed, we may pursue it as an abusive act under Dodd-Frank's UDAP statute. That's right. Again, a lot of that coordination I think we're seeing, they're in lockstep with each other in a way that we haven't seen in the past. Yeah. Well, one final question, and I feel a little silly even asking this, but is Congress doing anything about this? You know, there's been these loud resignations and now a very imbalanced leadership of the FTC. Is there any move afoot in Congress to step in to try to address these issues? There have been some early motions, and I think we are going to see more activity in this area, mostly on the House side, right? Because the House is controlled by Republicans who are a little bit more motivated to look into some of these new initiatives and activities by the FTC, as opposed to the Democrat-controlled Senate. So the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which has the most direct legislative authority over the FTC, they have started asking some questions around this, and I think we can expect when Khan goes up to testify before them next, that they will have some very hard questions for her. The House Judiciary Committee is also doing its own investigation. They have actually subpoenaed the FTC with regard to some of their investigations, particularly with regard to Twitter, which is a long-running investigation. And then most recently, the House Oversight Committee has announced that they are initiating their own probe of Khan's leadership, specifically Khan's leadership in the wake of the op-ed by Christine Wilson during her resignation. And specifically, a letter has been sent to the FTC requesting various documents. One of them is an unredacted opinion that had been written by former Republican Commissioner Christine Wilson that the FTC had not released in an unredacted form previously. They're looking for any communications among the commissioners about the FTC's authority. Any documents that Khan specifically would have with regard to her decision not to recuse herself from a case involving Meta. That was actually a major topic in Christine Wilson's op-ed. The reality that Khan in the past has written very specific articles about the Meta case and that now that she has taken over the FTC, she's overseeing that case without recusing herself. Right. Now that case has since been withdrawn. It was earlier this year, but that decision was still made with Khan at the leadership. She chose not to step away from that case, which was criticized heavily by Wilson and others at the time. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the press as well. But it sounds to me, Kim, like all of the congressional action that you're talking about may lay the foundation for some future change, but none of it sounds like it's likely to alter the behavior of the FTC in the short term. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. Whether or not there are investigations that move forward, it would be unprecedented for them to make some sort of move to try to remove Khan. Congress has looked at prior agency leadership in the past. There was some examples of other leaders. I think at the FCC, there was Chair Martin during the second President Bush administration. He was under investigation for similarly taking a very heavy-handed approach as a chair of that particular commission, which is also a five-commissioner bipartisan independent commission. So I think we're going to see a lot of additional activity in this area, but nothing that could actually change what's going on in the FTC in the short term. Got it. Well, I think then the message to the industry and our listeners is 
you know, stay tuned for whatever political developments may happen, but leave your seatbelts fastened for a pretty exciting ride, I guess I would say, with the Federal Trade Commission over the next year or two, I think is what we should expect. Right, Kim? That is correct. Okay. Well, we're going to continue to watch and, of course, report on our blogs and our podcast about significant actions taken by the FTC. But Kim, thanks very much for being on the podcast today to tell our audience about this fascinating turn of events. And of course, thanks to our audience for listening to today's episode as well. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our blogs, TroutmanPepperFinancialServices.com and ConsumerFinancialServicesLawMonitor.com. And while you're at it, why don't you come over and visit us at Troutman.com and add yourself to our Consumer Financial Services email list. That'll get you on the list to receive our alerts that we put out, as well as invitations to our industry-only webinars. And of course, stay tuned for a great new episode of this podcast every Thursday afternoon. Thank you all for listening. Copyright Troutman Pepper Hamilton Sanders, LLP. These recorded materials are designed for educational purposes only. This podcast is not legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual participants. Troutman Pepper does not make any representations or warranties, express or implied, regarding the contents of this podcast. Information on previous case results does not guarantee a similar future result. Users of this podcast may save and use the podcast only for personal or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use, including, without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing of this podcast may be made without the prior written permission of Troutman Pepper. If you have any questions, please contact us at Troutman.com.